Hello, greetings. What's up? My name is Chris Gillibo. This is Side Hustle School. Got something special for you today. This is an extended cut. I think it's our third or fourth extended cut of year number two. So this is different from our normal daily episode, which of course comes out today as usual. But this episode is something extra special. It's a deeper look into one of our most popular episodes this year. That episode was number 404. It was called Business BFFs Turn Skype Calls into Six-Figure Podcast and Book Deal. It was also known as the $400,000 podcast because it featured a podcast and brand that earned more than $250,000 in net income on $400,000 in revenue last year. So after that episode, I got a lot of questions about it. And for some reason, I heard from a lot of people who said, hey, I want to start a podcast. No idea why people would want to do that after listening to an episode about somebody making multiple six figures from a podcast. Now, through that process, I got to know one of the two co-founders of this podcasting brand. And since then, I've had two or three other conversations with her. I've mentioned her once or twice in the weekly recaps recently. So for those who want to know more about how it works, here's a special feature with more details about how they built this podcast. I think there's some good lessons here for anyone who's hoping to do something similar. Now, if you're new to Side Hustle School or because it's been a month since our last one, every month or so, we have one of these special episodes diving into a particular topic. The topic usually comes from our listeners frequent questions that I'm getting, or in this case, an episode that was particularly popular that had more that we could explore. And we started this series in early 2017. Some previous extended cuts have included how to build a website in 90 minutes, how to recover from a side hustle disaster, how to get a book deal, how to then market your book, and also how to conduct your own annual review, which is something I do every year in December. If you're interested and want to check those out, the links to all of them are at sidehustleschool.com slash extended. That's E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D. All of that content is completely free, just like this episode today. And we're going to jump into today's episode all about this special case study of a multi-six-figure podcast right after this message from our sponsor, which, by the way, the sponsor allows us, myself and our production team, to bring this and all the other stuff we do on Side Hustle School to you completely free. So I really appreciate them. Let's say thank you. And then let's look a bit more at this big success. All right. So as mentioned, let's revisit a story that was very popular. I call that story the $250,000 podcast, or I think it was the $400,000 podcast, but $250,000 of that was net income. You know, and for some reason, a lot of people were interested. Quick recap of that episode. Two friends decide to record their business conversations and release them as a podcast with no intention of monetizing. Then a sponsor comes calling and a lot of people start listening and they think, hey, maybe we should do more with this. So they pursued that further. And year one, they made $100,000. Then year two, it was $250,000 gross income. And then you know year three, $400,000 for a net profit of around $250,000, as I said. Now, one of the things we focused on in that episode was their decision to close a Facebook group they started. And this Facebook group had grown to more than 25,000 members. So it had really taken off. But it had taken off in a way that was kind of going beyond their initial purpose. And they felt that actually this Facebook group was a distraction more than it actually was a benefit. So they made the decision to close that group, which, as I said at the time, was contrarian and brave. Like, to be completely honest, I think it was the right decision to make. Like, clearly it was. But I don't know that I would have been able to make the same decision. Because it's really easy to look and say, like, oh, wow, like, there's so many people here. Maybe there's a way we can just tweak this. Or maybe we just kind of go with it. But that decision, which we're not going to focus on too much here, I just kind of mentioned it to show how intentional I think uh, Kathleen and Emily, these two business partners, are. And I don't know Emily as well, but I've had a lot of conversations with Kathleen, both in terms of preparing that episode. And then also since then, uh, she's just been very open with me and by proxy, you know, with you. 
and the rest of our listeners. So why was their podcast so successful? Like why them when so many others aren't? Uh, this is always the question that's worth looking at when you're looking at somebody's blog, when you're looking at somebody's business, like whatever it is, why has this one taken off to a degree in which others haven't? And just to say from the beginning, like there is some mystery to it. Like there's always like a mystery element. I noticed that as an author, like I follow the publishing industry pretty closely and I see a lot of great books come out that don't do so well. And every once in a while, I see a book like really take off. And I, I just kind of think to myself, like, mm, not sure that book deserved you know, as much success as it got. But that's just kind of the mystery factor. So obviously, we can't control that. What is within the realm of our control? Okay, so why so successful? And the first lesson, I think, is the combination of luck and commitment. And you may think, oh, well, luck is one of those things that you can't control. And of course, that's true. But I think what you can control is what you do with luck. So in some ways, they were lucky. Okay, Kathleen was a customer of FreshBooks. And in either the first episode or one of the first episodes of the podcast, she talked about them as a resource. And she wasn't paid to do so. She just said like, hey, I'm a customer. I, I like this service. It makes my life better. And one of FreshBooks employees was a listener uh, and then heard the mention on that episode. So soon after, the company came to them and said like, hey, would you like to partner in some way? Like, can we be your sponsor? So as mentioned, they didn't intend to monetize the podcast. But after signing up with FreshBooks, which they did, they said, yeah, this is a great fit because we're talking about you anyway. We're happy to recommend you to our customers and our listeners. Then they got more serious about it. So they had this luck. They had this early momentum. They got featured in iTunes. They had that sponsor that came to them. So they were lucky, but then they capitalized on it. Okay, They invested in their luck. They doubled down on their good fortune. So even though the podcast began with no money-making goals, like once they realized it was taking off, they took it seriously. And something that they are the most proud of, which I did mention before, is that they've never missed a scheduled episode. Okay, They want their listeners to know they can count on it. Like They're, they're active listeners. They're true fans. Like on the day the episode's supposed to come out, a lot of them are just, you know, waiting for it and like refreshing their phones. And they want to instill that loyalty, that expectation that, hey, we promised this to you and it's going to come. It's going to happen. I really believe there is power in a streak. Okay. So having a streak like that of being able to say, okay, for three years, like we've never missed an episode. Or if you're just getting started with something, like what can you do for three weeks in a row? Or even just three days, if it's just something really small, like if you're trying to use social media, oh, I'm just new to this social media platform. Okay, well, you know, for the next 10 days, I'm going to post once a day. Okay, that's not overwhelming. That's not difficult. That's a reasonable goal. And maybe when you post, you know, 10 days in a row, then you'll post for another 10 days in a row. You'll make it a 30-day goal. You'll make it a 60-day goal and so on. So this kind of consistency builds trust. And it's also good for you, the creator. So it's not only about building that loyalty in other people, it's also just building the habit in you. With Side Hustle School, we recently had this glitch with Apple Podcasts. Uh, some of you may be aware of it. Like, I never stopped producing the show. Like, we do it every single day. Uh, but for whatever reason, there was some weird glitch with Apple Podcasts where they didn't load the episodes for, I think it was about two and a half days in a row. So the episodes were coming out, but they weren't being pulled correctly. Uh, and thankfully, they got it all fixed and everything is fine. But for those two and a half days, I got a lot of notes from people. I got a lot of notes from people that said, like, hey, are you okay? Like, I didn't get the episode. Like, what's wrong? That made me think, okay, I'm doing something right because people are expecting this. They're counting on it. And now I've built a streak of more than 500 days. Uh, so I don't want to miss it either because then I would feel bad. So the point is luck is a factor in life, you know, not just for podcasts or not just for side hustles, but for all kinds of things. Luck is a factor in life. But when you get lucky, don't get complacent, get to work. So it's the combination of luck and commitment, first of all. Second of all, I think Kathleen and Emily had the right partnership going into this. So right from the start, even without knowing them, if you listen to an episode of their show or if you read their new book, you can tell their skills are a good match. It's often good to work with somebody who has complementary skills to you. So in an ideal world, that person has similar values and maybe a similar work style as well so that you can collaborate, but they are actually good at some things that you're not good at and vice versa. So when it comes to being boss, that's the name of their project, their podcast, their brand, their annual event, all kinds of stuff, 
I went back to my new friend, Kathleen, who's been very patient with my questions. And I said, okay, how do you handle your division of labor? Because with a project like this, there's so many different tasks. Like, how do you guys decide who does what? So she sent me a long list of stuff. I'll just share some highlights with you here. She said, when Emily first reached out to me about doing a podcast, I was like, cool, but I will never be able to do any technical stuff. So Emily promised to cover that side of things. And ever since then, we've had frequent conversations about our strengths and weaknesses, what we actually want to be doing all day, and where we have the most impact. In general, I'd say Emily is more methodical, analytical, and loves systems, processes, and automation. I take more of a creative director role. Together, we're both pretty creative, visual, strategic, and detail-oriented. Emily takes the lead on team management and task management. So they use some software called Asana, which some listeners may be familiar with from their day jobs. And Emily kind of oversees that process of coordinating with other team members, delegating tasks, and so on. She also takes the lead on web design and development. She handles systems and processes and also handles their annual events, which they actually call yearly vacations. But these are vacations with 75 people. So not really a vacation for Emily and Kathleen, at least it doesn't sound like it to me. Meanwhile, Kathleen takes the lead on podcast content, media, sponsor relationships and negotiations, brand management and creative direction, and then book production. So they wrote the book together, but Kathleen took the lead on being the main contact with their agent, their publisher, and actually designing the book itself. She's also leading the way forward for book number two. So that's what they do separately. But together, they collaborate on business development, marketing strategy, brand positioning, all that big picture kind of stuff. And they're constantly video chatting through new ideas and current projects. So you know, all that to say, that's a lot of detail there, but all that to say, they had the right partnership. So if you're going to have a partnership with someone, it shouldn't just be someone that you like. I mean, that's important. You're going to have to work with this person a lot. It should also be someone who has these complementary skills. Like you share the vision, you share the values, um, but there's some things they're good at that you're not, and most likely vice versa. Now let's look at a couple of philosophical things. Okay, so we talked about you know luck and consistency. We talked about the right partnership. I thought this was really interesting. In one of my conversations with Kathleen, she said, you know, if you're trying to build a, this kind of brand, you don't have to explicitly say who you're trying to connect with. People will figure it out. Now, this is really contrarian as well. I mean, it's just kind of like closing a Facebook group with 25,000 members. So once again, you don't have to explicitly say who you're trying to connect with. People will figure it out. I think what she means is that messaging matters and communicating the values matter more than saying like, hey, I'm out there trying to connect with women age 40 to 44 with a certain amount of education living in this part of the country with, you know, 2.4 kids and a dog, you know, that kind of stuff. I think the point is to focus on your message on how you think you're going to change the world and what kind of people in terms of behavior, in terms of values and psychographics, perhaps psychographics just being like shared belief systems or shared values thinking a bit more about those things than about actual demographics, okay? So she mentioned an example of another podcast. She didn't say what the name was, but this podcast was kind of using this phrase, like, we're a podcast for badass women. Now, the Being Boss podcast also attracts a lot of badass women. But Kathleen said she would never use that phrase because she doesn't want to alienate men. She doesn't want to alienate women who are like, yeah, I'm awesome, but I'm not badass. Or I I don't know. I guess the point is, like, you don't have to say, like, we are for these people. People will kind of figure it out. So I try to do something similar. Like I try to state the values of Side Hustle School on a regular basis. Like the values are freedom, security, the ability to decide or make your own choices, all that kind of stuff. But then within those values, there's all kinds of people who could subscribe to them. You could be of any age. You could be of any background. Like generally speaking, I am trying to communicate to people who have regular jobs. So people who are not necessarily entrepreneurs like me. But of course, we also have a lot of entrepreneurs and other self-employed folks listening to the show. So for me, and I think for them, the most important thing is uh, just being clear about what you're about and trusting that the right people will find you from there. 
So the lesson was you don't have to explicitly say who you're trying to connect with, people will understand. The next lesson is to take a stand for something you believe in. Now, I firmly believe this. I think you know there are times in our society, in our culture, in our, in our shared lives where it's really important to speak out about something. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a social commentator on everything. I don't think that's the point. But I do think from time to time, it's important to say like, hey, here's what I believe about this thing. And when you do that, I think what you gain in trust will be far more than whatever you lose, right? Besides, like if you believe in something, like shouldn't you be willing to take a stand for it? So I'm talking about some fundamental issues of equality, of social justice, of you know being able to say that Black Lives Matter, or being able to say like, hey, actually, we want to create a fair society for everyone. It's not really about being political, although I think that's okay too. I think uh, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't say what your political beliefs are. I think the whole concept of being like non-political, non-religious, or you know, non-offensive is, is overrated. As I said, whatever you lose from sharing something you believe in is going to be offset by what you gain and the trust of those people who you know, do decide to stick with you. And I also think if somebody is offended at something you say, you know, especially if it's like a, a mild stance or something, then their relationship really wasn't that close to begin with. And this happens to me whenever there's a presidential election or a major election. Like I, I do usually share on social media, like, you know, what I believe in and who I'm supporting. And I usually do it in a pretty non-judgmental way. You know, I say like, I'm an independent voter, but you know, I listen to the issues and this is the choice that I'm making. And I do, you know, often hear from people that are like, wow, like, you know, I can't believe it, Chris, like you have disappointed me so much. I'm unsubscribing, unfollowing. I'll never listen to anything else you say. You know, and I'm kind of like, okay, well, I guess like our relationship really wasn't that strong to begin with, because I would never say that to you. In fact, I, I try to take pride in, in having friends and, and connections of people who, you know, believe a, a variety of different things. So I don't want to go off on a tangent on this. I just want to say that like, this is something that, that I think Kathleen and Emily do well. And taking a stand for something you believe in is a strength. Okay. It's not something that like, oh, you can do that, but then you're going to lose something. I think this actually solidifies the community support and it generates trust, um, especially from, you know, if you are speaking about something that's very personal to a lot of people, those people who are affected by that issue are going to be affected a lot by what you say. And so don't be afraid to share what you believe in. It's okay. So last but not least, I mentioned this in a weekly recap uh, recently, this phrase, choose your choices. This comes from Kathleen and I liked it a lot. I've been thinking about it. You know, Kathleen says she works about 30 hours a week. And, uh, you know, she's got a family. She also wants to spend a lot of time at the gym. She's got other priorities, like her business is not everything. And her colleague, Emily, like her business is not everything either. But, you know, Emily has chosen to have a third business. Okay, so Emily has her own business. She has the business that they now share, the Being Boss brand. And she started a third business recently. So the lesson isn't so much, you know, that Emily is right and Kathleen is wrong or vice versa. The lesson is it's all about your choice and being intentional. What is important to you? Why are you doing what you do? Why do you do this every day? I used to have this little you know, wallpaper on my computer that every time I opened up my laptop, it would say, why do you do this every day? And you have to be careful because in society, we're often presented with this like dichotomy of like, here, you can choose A or B. Like, do you want A or B? And you very well may say, actually, I don't want either of those things. Actually, I want C or D or E, or maybe I want A and B. And the quote that I had from Kathleen about this was, you know, she says, we carry so much emotion around with us about things that we don't do. We have so much guilt. We have so much regret. So when it comes to starting your business, your side hustle or whatever it is, you need to either do it or just decide that you're not going to do it. And deciding not to do it is an acceptable outcome. Like if it's just not the right time for you now, then that's okay. Like just let go of that, you know, keep learning, keep absorbing. And then when the time is right, that's great. But if it is the right time and you don't do it, then you're going to feel some regret over that too. So do it or don't do it. Choose your choices. Take control over your decisions that somebody else is not deciding for you. And she also said, remember that you're going to die one day, which can be a very powerful reminder and motivator. I remember a few years ago, I wrote a book called The Happiness of Pursuit. 
And that book was about my own quest to go to every country in the world. And I also looked at lots of other people who are undertaking a quest. Like, what do they have in common? Why do these people choose to do something that's going to take a, a long time and require some sacrifice and trade-offs? Like, how are their lives affected by that? And so on. One of the things I saw that these people have in common, at least a lot of people who undertake a quest or a big project, is they have a, a kind of a keen awareness of mortality. Like, either they've suffered a loss in some way from a family member or a close friend, or they've just always, like from a young age, been mindful of the fact that life isn't forever. And so just carrying that memory with you, it's not meant to be like a sad or depressing kind of thing. It's actually meant to be a positive motivator to say, okay, what will I do with my life? Like, what is the point? I do have a lot of opportunity here. There is a lot of potential. So what choices am I going to make? And, and once again, for the last time, how am I going to make those choices so that somebody else doesn't make those choices for me? So as a super quick little recap, the lessons of the $400,000 Being Boss podcast. Lesson number one, why so successful? I think it's the combination of luck and commitment, commitment and consistency. So yes, luck is great, but then when you get lucky, what are you going to do about it? Second, the right partnership matters a lot, which is not to say that every project should be a partnership. In fact, uh, I tend to feature a lot more projects that aren't. But if you're going to have a partnership, it's really key to get that right because so much is going to be built on that. Third, be really clear and intentional about your messaging. You don't have to explicitly say who you're trying to connect with. People will figure it out. But do be clear about what your message is and what your values are. Next, speaking of values, don't be afraid to take a stand for something you believe in. Because to flip that statement, if you believe in something, why wouldn't you be willing to take a stand for it? Well, of course you should. And then last but not least, choose your choices. Don't let someone else tell you there's only A and B. There are lots of other letters. In fact, I think there's something like 26 letters in the English language alphabet. The last I checked. I hope you like this special analysis, this extended cut. If you'd like to see notes for it or check out any of the other extended cuts, I think we have about 15 of them so far. Uh, all that stuff is free. You can just go to sidehustleschool.com slash extended. Uh, and of course, if you want to check out Kathleen and Emily's project, we'll include links to that as well, along with lots of other stuff. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'll be back tomorrow with the regular episode. Thank you for listening. I'm Chris Gillibo for Side Hustle School.